is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Yes, good evening. I'm your host uh, for tonight's uh, Off the Record, Gavin McGough. And um, tonight we are talking all things historic preservation in the Box Canyon and beyond. Um, And joining us here for the discussion in studio, uh, we have Jonna Wenzel, Historic Preservation Director for the Town of Telluride. She's been in that role for five or so years and has been working in the field of preservation um, since before then. Uh, is that correct? John, do you want to say uh, uh, hey to our listeners? Hey, everyone. Thanks for inviting me to be here tonight, Gavin. Yeah, I've been in preservation for oh, over 20 years now, probably. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for joining us. Um, also, in studio, we have um, the folks behind One Architects. That's Bruce and Jody Wright. Um, it's an architectural firm based here in Telluride, uh, and they also are the designers, um, architects, part of the visionaries behind Camp V, um, which is a hip camp based in the restore town of Vanadium uh, in the West End outside of Natarita. Um, what would you two like to add to your intro? Anything I missed? Hmm. 30 years in Telluride. 97 is one architect's incorporation date. Very historic. That all feels very historic. (laughs) A very historic architectural firm. Um, All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And listeners, as always, please call with any questions, comments, or quandaries throughout the hour. Uh, That number is 970-728-4333. And uh, to begin... You know, we're discussing historic preservation as it relates to our area here in Telluride and in kind of towns out in the West End um, or in our, you know, entire San Miguel Basin region as a whole. Um, But just to locate us, uh, for my guests, will you all begin by sharing kind of a thought on how you got involved in building or preservation and design um, and kind of what interests do you have for our conversation tonight on this topic? Okay, I'll start. This is Jonna. Um, <clears throat> I I grew up in old houses, and um, I didn't know it at the time, but I think I enjoyed the little quirks of old houses. Um, typically, they were in town, near downtown, so I could walk or ride my bike around um, to get where I needed to go. And then um, in college, I got my bachelor's degree in anthropology. <clears throat> Um, and was really interested in cultural resources. I didn't know how to (laughs) proceed with anthropology, but um, I started thinking more about historic resources and historic preservation. And so after I graduated from college, um, my mom lived in a small town where old houses were very cheap. She bought one that she wanted to turn into a bed and breakfast and asked me to come help rehabilitate it. 
So that's how I got started in historic preservation. I really enjoyed the craftsmanship of old houses. I love the smell of old houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the materials uh, that were used to build the old houses and really understanding how they were put together. So that's how I got interested in preservation. And then I went back to graduate school and got a, a master's degree in preservation. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's the, hmm. uh, the short story of how I got here. And and where uh, where were you growing up? Was it all over the place, or was it? Um, it was in the Midwest. I grew up in Wisconsin. Yeah, but um, ended up um, living all over the place. I've lived all over the country and all over the world. I worked in preservation in Europe for several years, and um, and so um, yeah, it's been a great great career for me. And look where I've ended up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what what was it like working in preservation in Europe? Do they have different totally different approaches to well they do and they think you know they think our approach to preservation is quite um it's quite new it's quite fresh because we don't (laughs) have that much historic compared to the resources in europe um but uh it's comparable but i would say that i think the the um, national or federal governments in Europe are more involved in preservation, especially of um, of more important historic sites. Here in the U.S., the federal government has mostly delegated that authority to local and state governments. So that's the biggest difference. But and, and just you know, I was working on buildings that were built in the 17th and 18th centuries in Europe. Um, and here, you know, everything is from the 19th century and, right. and, and after. So that 19th was, that's century the, and wood frame And wood frame construction, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so those are the main, main differences. But it's all interesting in its own way. All right. Um, Bruce and Jody, uh, you know, recognizing your architects and not specifically historic preservationists, um, how does that factor into your work? How did that factor into you coming to your work? Um, and maybe even to tell you ride. I would say we were excited, enthusiastic, young potential architects, uh, looking for a mountain town. Um, this place was uh, different. Like Jody said, we've been here 30 years and it's been amazing. I would have to say, you know, architecturally, uh, as architects, we obviously appreciate this stuff and seeing the sort of the fabric of the town and and, and and to have a town take it this seriously is is pretty cool as architects. We, we don't always enjoy the design approval process, but I acknowledge I think it makes everything a little bit better. I, I think it knocks down some amazing things and brings up some uh, some other things that are a little bit less desirable. But, but to see over these 30 years what this town has, has done from a building and construction standpoint, um, I, and I gotta say, uh, like I said, it's frustrating, but I've met so many people that come back here and they are so impressed with the town and the town to them seems the same. And we've been living here the whole time and we've felt the changes and the moves but for visitors coming in, it really says a lot to me that they they just think the charm and the scale, that everything's just still right. 
uh, and I really enjoy hearing that. You know, you get kind of critical in your own in your own work, whatever your industry is. And then it's nice to see what the effect is on the general public. I would have to say that it's it's very appreciated. It's not just architects that uh, enjoy walking around this town. It's 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 pretty unique. Everyone. Yeah. So um, I've really really enjoyed seeing this place grow up and fill in and and it's kind of like watching uh, a plant grow on fast film you know <laughs> no one I don't know anywhere else it's sort of grown like this in such a small space where it's been mm -hmm. this important to do it right and underneath you know certain guidelines and whatever the uh, what is it the Something of interiors, Department of Interiors. Secretary of Interiors, standard. They, <laughs> in a way, yes. Yeah, mafia. <laughs> uh, yeah, so from that standpoint, uh, we just lucked out, you know, and we took a, we just landed in a great spot. Yeah, for sure. One of the first projects I worked on here in Telluride was the Sheridan Hotel, so really, really the addition to the addition, and going through the original edition which is the Sheridan that everybody knows today and recognizing that the bar the historic bar and the hotel lobby were rated interiors and going through that process and really learning to appreciate what all that meant and this was years ago and just moving an interior partition was a really big deal and then some fun facts like we found a safe in the floor and we managed to get the safe open and it was empty very Geraldo Rivera <laughs> um, but you know like just understanding that and then with that I would say absolutely growing um, like learning an appreciation for how that builds community and how that through line and that history is is a common thread right to and and I think it builds community that, that the story's there and it's preserved and, and where um, has one architect done the majority of its work? Um, have you both done a lot of work in town? Uh, and also, you know, San Miguel County? Um, at what point did you move out towards um, Natarita? Yeah, so we probably started looking at property in the West End six years ago and landed on the property that is Van Corum, which is, you know, Vanadium Mining Corporation of America, and it's the property that housed the engineers for the Vanadium Mine, which is Eurovan Mine, um, and decided to take those cabins and preserve them for a lot of reasons. You know, reuse the resources that were already there instead of starting from scratch and making the most of what you know what we had to start with um, and then capturing the history within within the buildings themselves tearing down interior partitions and putting new floor in just where the walls were to tell the history of how tiny rooms were the thing in 1942 um, and and that was a fun exercise let's see we've done work all over Telluride and San Miguel County you know um, out on the mesas in Aldosoro in Mountain Village and I would say nothing is, is as, um, has been as interesting in a very like bite-sized, tasty little morsel as Camp V. You know, it's just a really fun exercise in small spaces mm -hmm. and, and modernizing them to some degree. 
Yeah, and how was working in Telluride a good a good training for that? Um, I would say that Montrose County in general is um, very supportive, and it doesn't always feel that way in San Miguel County. And I'm not saying that they are not supportive. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there are there's the quantity of things that are happening and and the the focus on things just requires a lot more attention and a lot more focus hmm. yeah you come to appreciate the the west end i i found because it it's it's important to them to save this history a lot of the people and the locals it's it's from a you know, 1942, this is when they were finding uh, uranium, you know, while looking for vanadium to help strengthen steel. And, and the town has got this great story about itself. It was, it was like the place. It was a very patriotic it place, regardless of if... It was totally out on its mm. own in a way, but it was important and it was a lot of government and, and there's no National Historic District, but it represents a a real important little piece for Natarita Nucla. Uh, and it's pretty neat. It's got a great story. Uh, Natarita does too. The cat, yeah, just the whole thing. We The ditch system, all of it, you know, should be preserved. I think we walked into it because of Telluride with a healthy respect for, for what history has to say. Right. Um, it's also interesting, I think, uh, kind of when I when I think about the dual mining histories of the West End and of Telluride um, yeah, as we'll get into the landmark district here in Telluride is specifically for its mining past and its mining history um, and that has been something that has been carefully preserved but for places like um, the West End in Yerevan you know a lot of those communities were actually raised because of their mining history um, for, you know, basically EPA cleanup, specifically the town of Yerevan was completely eradicated. Um, yeah, and I, I wonder if kind of your work in both of these places has created any observations or understandings about um, the different ways that history can be treated or the different ways that these, you know, the East and the West End are living with their history continually. It's interesting. You, you might even know this, John. Uh, but 1893, I think, is when they get incorporated here. And then the 1913 is the end of the other period of significance. I'm not sure earlier, what that... But, yeah. 1878. Oh, it's so 1938? 1913. Oh, mm-hmm. God. I had that wrong the whole time. <laughs> there's a whole 10-year gap, 15-year gap. There's not much <laughs> left yeah. from 1878. So um, we don't... Yeah. But that was the... That was the year the town was established and um is that when it was san miguel um when it it was uh columbia for Uh, at first but i don't know when that name changed but anyway go ahead uh, well i just the um not the seriousness but sort of like the definedness of telluride's rich period to preserve it's really clear you know there's mining stuff and they're just pioneering this place and then it kind of goes cold. Um, it's always interesting to me, like, who, why did it stop in 1913 and everything else after that isn't important. One of the projects we did in town was built in, like, 1960. 
uh, and it's the old, one of the old license plate sheds that's down at Davis and Pack Street, we mm -hmm. did, uh, where the old Lime Burgers was. Mm -hmm. And it was neat, like that one became historic because it had so much character, it was sort of voted historic, yeah. <laughs> which I think is cool. Uh, and I, I like that aspect of it as much as I like just the original old things. And when you go to the West End, it's, it's, it's just not so contained. It's just so broad. It's really hard to save the important things because they're so spread out. It's not concentrated like it is here. But I do feel like it's as important for history of place and the story and why the town is there and the people that still stay there. And it's kind of neat, honestly. Uh, we've been living in town, yeah, for quite a while, and there's there's like a like a sense of. I don't know, like, uh, you're passing through. It's like our house, but it's not really our house. It was somebody else's house before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see yourself in the timeline. Uh, there's less ownership. I feel like a renter. More stewardship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stewards. Uh, just knowing you're kind of passing through. And I feel a little bit that way on the West End relative to uh, the people we've met and, and some of the stories of people coming back to Van Corum and, and coming back through the cabins when we were renovating them a few years ago this woman came through and she had relocated she was just driving by and she was like I lived here in 1962 and I was nine and my sister and she had all these stories and she started crying because she was like I am so happy you guys are renovating these cabins I was afraid you were going to tear them down and put up a hotel and like do the usual like she literally bawled because she was just happy and having these memories come back and I just it really struck me obviously I'm talking about it now and it's I remember her in her car crying talking about it mm -hmm. and, and was, then yeah. there are some people that grew up there that would drive by every day just to see the progress every Sunday every day of the week whatever continually driving through just because it really held a space in their heart and they and they much like you know um Eurovan, they thought it was just going to end up going away. And, and I do think that Van Corm is one of the last standing representations of that, that era of, you know, the way things worked, you know, from everything from the mining to science at the time and scientists coming from all over the world, all the things. It's a, it's a very rich history for sure. And fun to preserve. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, your comment, Bruce, about the kind of level of concentration, too, it strikes me that, um, you know, when things become more spread out, such as they are in the West End, there's just kind of history that has been un-mediated uh, or uninterpreted that is just there. Like, there are so many, I think about historic sheds walking around Telluride and the level of care and regulation that goes into caring for our historic sheds and then in the west end you know there's a historic shed <laughs> falling apart just every every house every mm -hmm. third acre you know like they're just out there kind of um and you know that's history too but it's just it's just been dealt with in a different way um they don't have uh, shed design guidelines Maybe yeah, you should introduce those <laughs> down there. You can borrow mine. <laughs> um, we have a house at Camp V uh, up on the upper level that we just started the um, renovation. And that is actually a 1979 Sears house, mm. which is cool, mm. right? Like that has its own a catalog house. Catalog house, huh. yep. 79? 
I think it's 79. Wow. I need to double check the date that they actually ordered it. There mm -hmm. are some dates, um, as we're uncovering, we're finding dates on, on certain mm -hmm. things. So we're going to track fun. it. Was that, was that the cabins? Photograph it. The cabins were stick built. Not, not a kit. Copy. Yeah. All right, uh, listeners, you are tuned into KOTO Telluride. Where is this off the record? Uh, we're already a third of our um, allotment into uh, tonight's show, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, but here we are talking about historic preservation, and uh, joining me in studios are John Wenzel and the um, duo behind One Architects, Juice and Brody Wright. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will be um, back after uh, a quick musical interlude.
stay. My keeper found her washed up on the shore. He kissed her cold face that they'd be together soon. He swore. I saw him crying. Watched as he buried her in the sand, and then he climbed my Tonight on Off the Record, we are discussing historic preservation in Telluride and the surrounding area. Give us a call to join the conversation at 970-728-4333. And so we've talked a little bit about kind of preservation, the background of preservation. Um, In Telluride specifically, we have a very, uh, I shouldn't say very unique, I should just say unique. We have a unique... um, designation, which is a landmark historic district. Uh, and Jana, when, wh- what, what is a landmark historic district um, in, in kind of your definition of it or how you understand it? Well, a, a national historic landmark district is a designation through the National Park Service. And it is identifying kind of the best of the best historic sites in the U.S. Everyone's probably heard of the National Register of Historic Places, which identifies um, historic sites that have local or state significance. National Historic Landmark Districts have been identified to have national significance. And of, I think there are 87,000 sites listed in the National Register. Only 3% of them are National Historic um, Sites, National Historic Landmarks. So when those are um, identified or designated, they follow the same criteria that, they, that the government would, the National Park Service would for creating a new national park or a new national monument. So it's a big deal. And... Um Ours, quote unquote, ours in Telluride mm-hmm. came about in 1961. Yes. Um, what precipitated that? Was it a lo- was it uh, locals who were organizing? Was it uh, the Department of Interior sort of selected this as a as a location? The Department of the Interior identified several mining towns in Colorado around the same time that were designated on July 4th, 1961 as National Historic Landmark Districts. So we're part of a small class of landmark districts in Colorado. What's interesting is that in 1961, 
Um, there was really no federal program uh, of historic preservation in the country. That didn't come until 1966. And so I think that um, the government identified um, these mining towns um, that were instrumental in opening up the West, uh, you know, the frontier to the West, and um, that were uh, significant in, in the um, industrialization and mining, um, they were at a risk of being lost because mining was declining. And um, I think it was a way to draw attention to these small mining towns that were that that could have been lost without some some attention. Now, I will mention that the National Historic Landmark designation is not the mechanism that protects our historic district. It's an honorary designation that um, that identifies our district as a special, um, but it's actually our local ordinance that that protects the structures in town so we actually have two historic districts one was established in 1961 the national historic landmark district and the other one was established in 1972 which was our is our local historic district interesting mm -hmm. and it's the local one um, that has all of the policy clout basically it is that's the one that gives us the um, ability to have a preservation ordinance and to establish our historic and architectural review commission or what we know as HARC and to have design guidelines and shed rehabilitation guidelines uh, that, that our local ordinance allows us to do all of that right so it's interesting that while the Department of Interior you know gave a, a seal of approval or um, you know, desire to have Telluride preserved, it was more of kind of a grassroots community initiative that actually has figured out what, what that looks like and decided that it's a value here as well. It really was. And I, I would say that in 1961, Telluride's destiny was kind of sealed when when the designation was was made however it was the local community that really took it seriously and decided this is something of value um, w that the that the federal government has identified and it's our responsibility to make sure that it is preserved and so in 1972 the the preservation ordinance was passed the preservation commission which we now know as HARC was established and that was really the start of it all um, so, uh, well, it, it's evolved over time. Um, it really, it really uh, goes back to that time. And I will say that even in 1972, that's fairly early for local communities to establish a preservation ordinance, um, especially a town of this size. And when you think back to that time, um, there wasn't much going on here at that time. Um, I'm sure there weren't there weren't hordes of tourists. There wasn't a ski area. Um, there weren't people, you know, banging down the doors to buy property here. So it was it was with a lot of foresight that those um, those uh, citizens um, decided to to make sure that Telluride was preserved for the future. Right, and it's really I mean, looking at other resort towns in the West, it's really changed the scale and the the feel of Telluride. Yep. Uh, John, when did uh, the Historic Preservation Board become HARC? You know, I think it was in the 80s the name changed. And on top of the Historic, Preserva or the historic District, 
the town established the Historic Preservation Overlay District, which is a more of a zoning district outside of the historic district. So that is why we Hark Trying reviews territories. Yeah, Hark reviews your... everything in town. In most historic communities, the Preservation Commission just reviews projects in the historic district. And in Telluride, Hark reviews everything What's all over town. And and new. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when did Hark members start carrying guns? <laughs> Was that eighties as well? Must <laughs> sounds like Wild West times. <laughs> We have a lot of power. Um, and we've also, we've noted that uh, the Landmark District protects just a slice of Telluride's history. That's specifically the mining era from ni- from 1878 to 1913. Um, obviously, our community has a lot of history outside of that, outside of that time, um, some of which is, you know, reflected in our built environment or our natural environment. Um, w- Think you know as a his somebody on the staff of town working in the field of historic preservation does how does that factor into um, your work if at all? Um, well, the the period of significance which you mentioned, eighteen seventy eight to nineteen thirteen, was identified as the period when most of the buildings that we still um, would consider historic were built. So 1913 uh, was the year that the Sheridan Opera House was built. That was kind of the last major public building to be built in town. And so that is kind of the the bookend on on that. So, however, um, everything in that period is protected. But um, we realize that buildings evolve over time. Additions are added. garages are built, um, porches are enclosed, things change, have changed. And so sometimes even those alterations can become historic in their own right or or significant in part of the story of the building. Um, so we, we try to encourage those stories to be kept as part of the building. A lot of times it's not a requirement because it's outside of that period of significance, but um, those um, uh, owners or architects who are interested in, in kind of helping c- continue to tell that story might might wish to, to keep those older additions. So, um, we, you know, after that period of significance too, there, there wasn't a lot built in town until probably the 80s, late 70s and 80s, um, after the ski area was was established in the early 70s. So there wasn't a demand for additional housing or um, commercial spaces. So the um, the term historic applies to buildings that were built 50 years or more previously. Um, and so right now we're just kind of at that 50-year mark for the mm-hmm. ski area um, being established and developed. So a lot of the houses that were built in the late 70s and 80s wouldn't quite qualify for being considered historic. And so um, and so we see a lot of those be demolished and, and made way for, for new construction. So that's kind of the story 
story of the um, period of significance and what we think of as historic. I, do you remember Jim Burley? Sure. You guys should have a Jim Burley tour. Yeah, <laughs> right. He, he did a lot. Kind yeah. of a period of significance of his own. Right. And he designed so many goofy, awesome, impractical ski houses that are so great to hang out and visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then he, They've uh, got to be coming up on 50 years. Well, and then there's an interesting question. How do you decide what is notable in a period 50 years or, or previous? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you... I want to I want to call things bad architecture, but I know that's very personal to what I do. Mm-hmm. But certainly, there are things out there that are unique or notable, and that's why they're important. Or like, how, what, like how do you measure that? I think Jody's What's trying to ask: metric? When are all of One Architect's projects going to be considered <laughs> historic? Right. Well, so I like no. to distinguish between buildings that are old and buildings that are historic. Mm-hmm. We have old buildings. Um, that maybe have no historic value. Um, And then we have historic buildings, which absolutely have historic value, and they may have been built at the same time. The difference is there are um, evaluation criteria to determine the significance or history of the building, and typically it has to do with the architect who designed it, or the builder, uh, if it was a builder of some note, or if it was associated with an event um, that was significant in the in the town in, the, um, in that period. Um, or, so for example, the opening of the Skiri, that was a huge historic event here. It has changed the trajectory of our town. And so buildings associated with the Skiria would uh, would be, in my mind, considered historic at that 50-year mm-hmm. point. Um, some of them are not attractive, <laughs> you know. Some of them we look at now and go, why, how, how is that ever built? Um, but that also shows the, the change in our, our perspective and what we value. And so um, when we look back at buildings that we may not appreciate now it's it's hard to say what you know in um, 20 or 50 years people might might value and wish that you know they had access to right historically or aesthetically exactly it's interesting um how recently uh brutalism has had a tremendous revival and i don't think we have any Examples here. We do not. So I. Ju- <laughs> so if listeners want to see a brutalist piece of architecture, they might have to go elsewhere. But there's a tilt-up concrete house in the ski ranches, right? Isn't that where the? Not brutalist. It's kind of brutalist. It was maybe not by design. all the We've got a poster from this architect. I can't remember his name, but he had little drawings of all of his little geometric-looking houses, and he's done stuff in Boulder and kind of peppered around the state. Hmm. All concrete. Uh, and for listeners, brutalist architecture is like uh, it's like the Boston City Hall or something. Think it's a of lot a concrete of concrete, box. very yeah. heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, gets yeah. kind of had had a start. reputation as grim, um, and a lot of them were torn down. And then recently, they've kind of reached a point where I mean, I I don't know when the when the era of brutalist architecture was, but anyway, there's been a revival in kind of interest and value for that. Um, style. Yeah. Um, what's an example of a Jim Burley house? 
a West End example? Of anywhere. Or what no. is an example? No. Yeah. What is? What is an example? The Snowflake Building. He's done so many. He did one of the top of Aspen on your right, uh, right before the bridge house. Uh, he did Cornet Creek condos at Davis and Pack Street. Terrible design, but mm. so fun to hang out in. <laughs> the, the goofiest planner shelves and spiral stairs to goofy lofts and stairs with no head height. Yeah, he did Cosmo. It was one of the last buildings he did in town. Hmm. Uh, he used to drive around town in his convertible. LeBaron convertible. He worked out a deal with Cosmo. He got to use their hot tub as part of his architectural fee. He would drive there in the middle of winter with his top down and in, in his uh, his robe. And he was just a cool character guy uh, that did fun things and was brilliantly smart. Always underestimated. Um, in your in your two experience, kind of designing with clients in Telluride, do people often come in to a project with um, historic preservation as a value, or is that something that they have to learn through sort of the codes and um, expectations that have been set forth by the community? We have had clients that that come in with an idea of historic preservation. I would say that is a rarity. Hmm. The majority of people need an education hmm. as to what's significant, how to work with it, why they can't start fresh, all the things. And it takes a while to figure out. And in town, in its guidelines and procedures, has evolved and changed. You have to stay on top of it there. And you, you have to learn but what it means to have a historic house. There's a couple benefits. There's a, there's a lot of restrictions uh, and probably along with that, there's a lot of pride in maintaining those things and, and, and getting compliments from the public. Uh, we got, I mean, it's a great walking town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, Bruce and I live in a, in a, in a historic house. And one of the things that, Not rated. Not rated, Jonathan. Just for the record, Jonathan. Um, anyway. <laughs> and it's just old. It's just old. It's just old. <laughs> But much like you were talking about earlier, you know, there are, I think there are great smells in the house. Um, there are cool breezes in the middle of winter, and there are <laughs> hot breezes in the middle of summer. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's charming in its own way, and it's also not precious. Right. You know, so you walk in, and, you, and it's just comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's easy, you know, whatever. You make a mess, and you don't feel bad about it. Yep. And we do a lot of very pristine new things that it does feel a lot more precious and careful um all right we're receiving a call so let's see if they would like to ask a question or maybe just report a piece of lost and found um uh, but hey you're live on kodo can you hear us good evening can you hear me uh we can do you have a question for um for our guests here this evening uh the Adorado Mill was obtained by the county, I'm trying to remember, maybe at least five years ago, um, you know, at the Far East End. And I'm just wondering, with the continuing uh, simmering and maybe neglected issue of the uh, uh, Bridal Veil access, uh, is there anything at all happening with the Adorado Mill as a, as a historic structure? Thank you. Uh, all right, thank you for your question. Um... The Idorado Mill. I know that's a county property, um, and I believe it is on their list of, of projects in some capacity. But it is it is a county property. Um, I was re- up until recently on the um, 
the San Miguel County Historical Commission. And it is, it continues to be on the list. It is, um, it is an enormous undertaking. And I think that um, there have been studies done uh, on, you know, uh, conditions and contamination and possible future uses. I think there, um, my, my impression is that there has not been <clears throat> A decision made about the building because um, there's no clear direction uh, on on which way to go with it. Preservationists um, find that there could still be value in the building. Um, the cost to rehabilitate it and mitigate the contamination may be cost prohibitive. And yet I've also heard opinions uh, from others which are valid that um, maybe we don't want to invest and celebrate um, mining because it it did it did you know impact <laughs> impact the town and the area significantly. In in my opinion, that is part of our history. Um, whether we celebrate it or not, it's 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 what created the town. Um, I don't know ultimately what the future of the mill is. I don't know that anyone does at this point. Um, I also want to take some time this evening to recognize uh, the 2023 Preservation Award winners. Mm. This is a um, biennial, every other year uh, program that is uh, kind of organized by the town of Telluride. And do you have you have three or four um, that the committee uh, selected? Is that right? Correct. We have four recipients this year. Uh, Hark. Uh, um, determines those recipients uh, from nominations that are made e e every other year. We do it every other year because projects in Telluride take quite a long time. Some can take two or three years to finish. Um, and this year there's um, kind of a nice variety of projects. And they're, they're, um, the first one is uh, 114 East Colorado Avenue, which is actually Brown Dog Pizza. And it's for continuing preservation. It was a small project um, headed up by Sherry Harvey, and it was to hmm. uh, replace and kind of restore the appearance of the front of the building. Hmm. And so um, that was well well done and well thought through. And then uh, 120 North Fir, which was a recipient in the category of rehabilitation and restoration. It's a little white house on North First Street, just half a block north of Colorado Avenue. Um, an addition was was built on that house, but the the house itself, the historic part of the house, um, was sensitively rehabilitated. The windows were restored, the siding that was um, able to be kept was restored, and you get a sense of the historic mass and scale. So, um, great job there. Um, same on 229 North Spruce, a house that had been neglected for quite a long time. Some unfortunate alterations were done, a huge addition on the rear, but um, it was re, um, rethought. And um, again, the historic portion of the house was celebrated. Um, those historic materials, I will mention specifically the front door, which is um, pressed glass it was very mm. decorative and historic uh, they kept all of that and so we appreciate that and then finally 321 north willow which is a project that has um oh it's been going on for a long time from planning um 
in the planning stages to completion. Um, Chris Perpar worked uh, on that project, and um, that one was noted for most compatible addition. This historic portion of the house is a historic four square, so it's um, four rooms on the bottom and four rooms upstairs. And um, a sympathetic addition was put on the back. Um, and so the historic proportions of the house are still are still visible. And I should mention um, 229 North Spruce was um, Matt Lee and Chris Chafin who worked on that project. So very proud of those recipients and glad to, to share um, the you know the the good work and the good intentions i know it's not always fun or pleasant process but we really like to acknowledge um those those projects and those um people behind the projects who really make it a priority mm -hmm. is it true that all of these recipients of awards were past hark members <laughs> It, it, it is, in fact, it is a fact. It is true. That's true. But I think, I will I think also every say, architect has been on HARC. I will point. also <laughs> say that um, we had service. four nominations and they all won an award. So oh, um, sorry we didn't get any nominations something. from you guys. They're but all special. Yes. So everyone who was nominated um, is also a recipient. Oh, good. Yes. Everyone's a winner. Um, all right. We I, are... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention that um, the, the awards, the plaques will be presented to the recipients at the town council meeting on August 22nd. Right oh, after very lunch. nice. So, um, we're pleased on Kodo News to break the story, and maybe we'll follow up <laughs> on it in a couple weeks. Um, listeners, you are tuned into Off the Record on KOTO. We are talking about historic preservation this evening, and we're going to take a quick... Uh, musical break before we close out um, with some final thoughts on um, historic preservation in value and in practice in our region so stick around thanks for listening I see a mansard roof through the trees I see a salty message written in the east the ground beneath my feet
you are tuned in to Off the Record. Um, we're talking about historic preservation tonight, and joining us in studios, we've got Jonna Wenzel, historic preservation director, Bruce Wright and Jody Wright um, of One Architects, and um, we just have a few minutes to close out the show. Uh, were you all following a train of thought you wanted to uh, to continue, or shall I move on to our to a new topic here? Oh, I was just asking Jana how important the idea of preserving materials is today in historic preservation, and 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 it feels to me like there's a larger crossover in recycling materials and recycling buildings and limiting waste and avoiding dumpsters, etc. And and mm, does that way in does that way in in that way in the historic preservation way. I I think historic preservation um, has always um, promoted the environmental impacts of saving a building as a benefit of preservation. Um, it it is um, it is you know it is the environmentally friendly sensitive way to go because you're not all of that material um, doesn't end up in a landfill. Um, in Telluride. Any time a building is demolished, um, the town asks that the materials be recycled or repurposed or, or somehow reused um, as much as possible. Put in the free box. <laughs> um, but pallet of bricks. It's not. Um, it's not something that's that is enforceable. However, with the talk of the climate action plan that the town adopted um, a few months ago. Uh, I think that that will become more of a of a um, topic of conversation and will likely become more of a requirement mm-hmm. in the future mm-hmm. that buildings be deconstructed instead of demolished mm-hmm. that they be taken apart piece by piece and those pieces be reused some somewhere else um, you know, most of the materials that end up in the landfill is construction material so it, it is it is an impact um, and and we see in you know the amount of construction that goes on here and remodeling um, we know that it is it is a large impact to our um, to the to our town and the region yeah and, and as we look to close out the hour um, while I was kind of looking over notes for this show I went back to the town survey and vision plan which was all done last summer and you know, there are a lot of people in Telluride who are consistently listing preserving historic character as kind of their highest priority or a top five highest priority. Um, and the same survey found that Telluridians are really, 60% of respondents said that their biggest concern for the community going forward was kind of just managing growth and change, um, which does feel connected to preservation as well. Um, I'm just wondering if you all have reflections on um, the balance of preservation and guidelines around preservation and the value of preservation and how that um, meshes with a community that is facing a lot of pressure to change and a lot of um, questions about sustainable growth. I would reiterate something that Jody said earlier in that preservation um, has to do with community. And I think that um, the the pressures that people feel here in town with development 
um, they see it visually with the new construction that's going on on most every block, but they also feel it in the in the change to our community because um, there's a change in ownership or a change in maybe a change in values or um, and I think that um, preservation is part of that in in a in the way that. Um, it relates to the values of the community. Preservation has always been a very strong value in Telluride, and it still is, as you just mentioned. And so it seems to be, um, it seems to be a feeling <laughs> in the town. Sure, a feel-good move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do think it's so important. It's the through line, you know, and where we were and where we're headed, and it's important. I think. Um, specific to your question, I do think Hark's job moving forward is just gonna, going to be more complicated and more difficult and worthwhile. All right. Um, thank you for those final thoughts on um, this conversation on historic preservation in Telluride. Uh, before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like to add or send off listeners with? In that case, we'll play our <laughs> outro. And, uh, you know, we have a couple songs. We've got the Decemberist here, I Dreamt I Was an Architect. Mm -hmm. So, um, for anybody listening who uh, is hearing this and thinking they could have had another career, um, well, this one will send you in to the next hour of radio two hours of radio which is going to be dj hideout um thank you all so much for joining us thank, thank you thank you so much Gavin. our Thanks listeners Super fun. um and join us again next week for off the record who knows what it's going to be but we'll be on all right take care thanks for listening to off the record opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests Join us again next week for another installment, and in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,